Hi everyone, welcome to Food Talk. Producer Stephen Ray Morris here to introduce today's episode. Danny has a great chat with Dr. Mary Mega, Regional Gender and Social Development Advisor for the West and Central African Council for Agricultural Research and Development, or CORAF for short, as you know it. It's a really fascinating chat. Enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to Food Talk, the podcast with me, Danny Nierberg. Today, I get to talk to Dr. Mariam Mega, who is the Regional Gender and Social Development Advisor with the West and Central African Council for Agricultural Research and Development, which is also known by the acronym CORAF. Uh, CORAF is an organization I really admire because they coordinate research among 23 national agricultural research systems to ensure food security across the region of Western and Central Africa. One of my favorite people, Abdu Tekawano, is the director of CORAF, and I've known him uh, for more than a decade now since his time at the World Vegetable Center. Dr. Mega works to boost the representation of voices of women and men in technology, policy, and program design so that both women and men can benefit equally uh, from government and economic and social programs. Women, for example, make up about 43 of, of the world's agricultural labor force. And in some countries in sub-Saharan Africa, they make up as many as 70% of, of all farmers. But unfortunately, they often uh, lack access to the same resources as their male counterparts, including access to land and technology, uh, banking and financial resources, and education and extension. So, Miriam, I'm I'm so pleased that you could be with us today. We're excited to learn more about your work with CORAF. Do you want to add anything to that very short introduction? No, so far, so good. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So, I always start off the podcast asking everyone the same question, and I ask them to share their favorite food memory with me. And so, you know, a a particular meal they've had, a particular food that they've come across during their travels. Do you have a favorite food memory that you want to share? Okay, actually, from my cultural background, uh, I like uh, African food. So I'm from Cote d'Ivoire myself, and then we have this uh, uh, food called fufu Uh and fufu, and I like it very much. I do too. Can you describe yes. it for people, so okay. people who don't know what it is? Okay. Can you describe it? Okay. Fufu, actually, fufu is pounded banana plantain or yam or cassava. And we can get it with uh, stew, tomato stew mm-hmm. or palm oil stew. Uh, and uh, also, the, uh, we have okay, the second food that I really like also is kabato. Uh, uh, kabato is uh, made uh, from maize. Nice. So it is made from maize, yes. So it's kind of, uh, okay, in East Africa, they call it Ugali. Okay, okay, I know what that and is. I like yes. it very much with vegetables, too. That's great. <laughs> and fufu, you, you, you use it sort of like a utensil. You use it to uh, pick up your food, right? Mm-hmm. And so people dip it into the, the sauces and the vegetables, as you mentioned. But it's, it's, I love it. It's delicious. It's a fun way to, to eat. Um, so I, I want you to describe, if you can, your work. So there, there are a lot of big words that you use in your work, and one is called gender mainstreaming. And, and so can you describe what that means when we're talking about agricultural development in Western and Central Africa? Thank you so much. My pleasure. So let me start with the rational beyond this and also the commitment, the strong commitment coming from CORAF 
towards gender mentioning mm-hmm. in the organization's overall operations. So it is not worth it that in strips, that strips around Africa have enormous agricultural, livestock and fishery potentialities, with agriculture being instrumental in the economy of the country, providing 35% of the GDP with 40% of, of, of exploitation and 70% of population living from agriculture. So then, uh, uh, meanwhile, we are still challenged to meet the sustainable food security goals in the region. Mm-hmm. Especially in our operating region, which are West and Central Africa. Because if you know, I, I need to start with the rational, then you, know, you will know about the stake and importance of addressing gender dimensions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in any agricultural research development policy, program, and project. So the rational is very important. So then I continue, while seeking for the reason of the food security challenges, we came to know that women and youth are playing such a key role right. in agricultural production. But they still have limited access to the needed agricultural productive resources as technologies and innovations, training, support services, infrastructure, land, etc. Why and is that? Can you explain why they still lack access to those things? Is it cultural? Is it better. political? Because of the gender disparity and cultural sector, mm-hmm. so this so so you, then then you are getting the point. As I mean, unless we close the gender gap in agricultural sector to facilitate equitable access to agricultural productive resources, we will not be able to meet the expectation. Absolutely. This is the rationale be, be, be beyond the communal opera for the institutionalization of gender within the organization. Right. And this means address this means addressing gender dimension in CORAF program and project, in the procedure and in the overall governance system. Mm-hmm. If time allows, you will see in terms of gender record, how we mention gender in the overall governance system, in program, in project, and the overall operation of the organizations. So this is the rationale beyond the commitment of CORA towards gender mentioning in agricultural research development policies, uh-huh. project program and interventions. So what I'm hearing from you is, one, we ignore women and youth in the food system at our own peril. If we ignore them, we're never going to meet our food security goals. And then the second thing I'm hearing is that through CORAF, you're really trying to include gender in everything that you do. This is it. Thank you so much. So the stake is such. Can we imagine we have this group of people, women and and youth, known as among the socially marginalized group. Uh Uh-huh. Although, despite the bulk of food production they are, they are providing in the regions, right. they still have limited access to the needed agricultural product research because of gender inequality in the sector. Right. Unless we address the challenges, we will not be able to meet the expectation. Absolutely. And, then, and, then, and, yes. and can you explain a little bit about why women are doing most of the food production? It, it, it's for a lot of different reasons, but you know, one is, is men have moved to cities for jobs. Uh, and two, if, if I'm correct, women are growing most of the food that families actually eat, while men who are farming are growing a lot of more sort of commercial or commodity crops. Is that correct? Thank you, it's, it's correct. You've got the point. Actually, again, this is what we meant by gender disparity in the agricultural sector because 
for your information, gender relations are social constructed. So according to this perception that we have about the relations between women and men, it's like women have some gender roles like provide food for the family, so, uh, uh, I mean, cooking, everything related to food provision, food production, mm -hmm. this is women's business. Mm -hmm. While in some social cultural uh, consideration or context, you may, you may see that men are not allowed, for instance, to, to, to cook, to go to kitchen. Then the women will be in trouble. So these are something to do with social cultural mm -hmm. perception also. And those so, kinds, so, so, go ahead. Mm -hmm. no, I mean, those kinds of cultural things take a long time to change and to educate people about because it's it's really built into how people interact with one another. So, you know, what kinds of, of education? I mean, one of the things that I like so much about your work is that you're not just thinking about women. You're also thinking about men and boys and how to yes. to help them become aware of women's role, not just, you know, as, as sort of food producers, but sort of their role in society as a whole. How does that education begin? Okay, maybe, uh, can you, uh, uh, I, I wish I get the opportunity, if you allow, if I can share with you rapidly, how we addressing yes. these challenges in Akura. Please. So what's happened, uh, okay, like uh, what I was saying when I was describing the rational beyond the community of, of the organization towards gender mainstreaming in the overall operation of the organizations. So the commitment led to the elaboration of a gender policy and strategy with the aim to ensure equitable access to agricultural research and development resources, opportunities, and benefit for women and men, especially for the socially marginalized mm -hmm. group in our operating region in West Central Africa. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you I'm humble, but the strategy that we developed has been very instrumental to meet the expectation. Okay, we, 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 we start by saying that minimum 40% women should benefit from any core of project. This nice. is minimum. And then a second point of the strategy, we managed to develop gender tools, including project screening tools. I think this has been fundamental in our process. What is that? Because Can you explain what, that more? Thank you. It's very important because what we realize is that most of the organization don't deal with the screening of projects. Right. When we do it, the screening of the project lies with the gender analysis of the projects. So it has something to do with the identification and the analysis of gender gap, mm -hmm. and then you propose the corrective actions to close the gender gap with the project, and then you suggest a gender advisor some indicators that can really help you to track the progress towards gender mainstream in the project and also for impact assessment. So another point of the strategy is capacity building. Capacity mm -hmm. building has been very instrumental in our in core of gender strategy, I can tell you. The way we do capacity building, we put emphasis on practice. It has been very practical than theoretical. It's been very much that help us very much to move forward. Another point of the strategy is the, the, the identification of gender focal persons in the countries. Right. And we facilitate the intervention and also we help to strengthen the capacity on gender. Another point is the development on just gender action plan in the countries with context-specific activities. Sure. It has helped 
very much. Okay. So that another point is the monitoring. Okay, go ahead. Sure. I, I think, you know, we hear words like capacity building. And if you could yes. explain what that, that actually means when we're talking about building capacity for including women in agricultural development. Thank you. It's a key question. Because what happened, the way we do the capacity building, we will just show to the, the state, uh, project stakeholders that, you know, unless you address the gender dimension in the project, you will not be able to meet the expectation. So what I was saying, the capacity building, capacity building has been really instrumental because the way we do it matters. So we'll just show the stake of addressing gender dimension as a developmental tool to meet the, the, mm -hmm. the uh, project development objective of the project. When you show them, and you, 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 you will tell them how they can facilitate equitable access to resources like technology, like training, getting scholarship, mm -hmm. master and PhD scholarship. We recorded a lot of gender uh, outcome in terms of access to technology for women, men, and youth, in terms of access to scholarship. Mm -hmm. Master and PhD scholarship in agricultural science in terms of access to training to essential services. So, so then when they, once they understand the stake of addressing this gender dimension, I can tell you it has been very helpful for us to push forward the gender agenda. So, so the capacity building is important. Yeah. So research organizations across CORAF's network get the importance. They understand the importance of including women and and uh, yeah. other marginalized communities. Right. They they get that this is important for the future of the food system. Yes. Yes, they do. And can you talk about you know you mentioned um, getting master's degrees and higher education? Why is that Thank so important? Thank you. It's important because you know. In West Africa, West and Central Africa, what is happening? We are faced with a key challenge related to the aging of research staff. Right. So, so it is, it has been a big challenge for the region to address challenges for sustainable food and nutrition security. So what happened is that, let me take the example of what? What is the West Africa Agricultural Productive Program? It's a World Bank supported program with CORAF being the coordinator of at the regional level of the program. Uh -huh. So they facilitated uh, access to scholarship, MSc and PhD scholarship for young people, female and male. So what's happened? You will be surprised. 30% of female benefited from this scholarship. Nice. 30%. That's fantastic. So, so it's fantastic. And also, another point, you will maybe be also surprised with, with under the work. Under the work, we recorded 49% of women as beneficiaries. And this has something to do with uh, four, more than 4 million of women who benefited from the program. Wow. That's incredible. We believe in terms of, in terms of all, almost the parity. Can you imagine? We recorded all the country in the part, the project, a project document of the work. What's happening is that each country had to meet the target 40% women. So all the countries met the target. And at the regional level, level we recorded 49% beneficiary of women. In terms of access to technologies and innovation, accessional services, trainings, etc. That's so, fantastic. Uh, 
It's fantastic. And the MDTF, which is which has been one of uh, a big program at CORAF, MDTF is the multi-donor trust fund. And uh, we had 70 regional projects on agricultural production, animal production, and aquaculture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, re we recorded 43% women beneficiary of MDTF in terms of access to also to needed productive resources. So you see the MDTF completion re re report was led by the World Bank. Right. And the gender, the gender component was rated as highly satisfactory. That's great. That's great. That's a good sign so, that things are going well. A, so, so this is just to tell you that it's possible to make it. It depends on the strategy you develop and implement. Right. And I think we, we be, for Korat, we are Amber, but the strategy developed has been very instrumental to push forward the gender agenda. Well, one, so, and you will be also, okay, why? one thing that you mentioned was the aging of researchers, and that's yes. partly why it's important to include yes. more young people in this. That's the same. That's what, you know, that's happening also with farmers in sub-Saharan mm -hmm. Africa, the United States, really all over the world. But we don't really mm -hmm. think of the aging of scientists and how, you know, there's mm -hmm. a brain drain often mm -hmm. in, in Africa where people leave after they get educated. And so, mm -hmm. how, you know, what is the strategy? Is there one for keeping those researchers in, in, in their countries so that they're, you know, they continue to add to the development of, of science and technology and, and agricultural development in country? Thank you. It is a key uh, uh, question also. Uh, what's happened, I can tell you that we, we thought about that, about, I mean, a strategy to keep these uh, young people provided with scholarship. So the problem, the issues was to see how they can be integrated in the NAS, National Agricultural Research System. Mm -hmm. So if I take, for instance, Ghana, just an example, Ghana and Sierra Leone. So what happened? We had female once, when after they, 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 when they got graduated, they, they came back to the countries and they have been very well, uh, uh, they, they, they got recruited in the NAS, the National Agricultural System. So we, still it's a challenge, but as far as I know, we are dealing with these issues, and so far, I think we are doing well. Because uh, these young people provided the scholarship, they are coming back, That's and great. we are also helping them to be recruited in the NAS. We That's are doing that. fantastic. Yes, well, we are doing that. And, and I mean, you're also really helping elevate the status of, of these young women and men. They're respected. They're becoming role models for their own communities. So it, it, it has sort of this intergenerational effect because young, you know, other young people, especially young girls and young women are growing up and seeing these role models of women scientists and, and, you know, extension workers and others who are, are really benefiting their countries. That's really important for sort of overall, you know, national pride and morale, don't you think? It's very important. You know, uh, for your information, what's happened that after the gender analysis of the agricultural sector as a whole in Western South Africa, in Western Central Africa, we're creating regions, one of the key challenges was women's scientist representativity in the national agricultural research system. So what's happened? CORAF partner with uh, the award program. This African Women uh, in Agriculture Research and Development is a program 
uh, which deals with uh, a scientific and leadership capacity building of female scientists. So we supported this project in collaboration with Agropolis Foundation based in France. So through this project, we managed also to have the female scientist beneficiary in Mali, uh, uh, Mali, Senegal, uh -huh. Burkina Faso, Cameroon, and Cote d'Ivoire. Tribe nice. in Cote d'Ivoire, five countries. So, and what is happening? It's like you knew because these people, uh, these female scientists, we, we ask them also to help us push forward this agenda. I mean, to see how they can be role model for young scientists. Right. Female and your and believe me, what's happened? These people have been very much involved in CORAF project in their countries, respective countries. One, so we developed a project. We are just looking for for, for for financial support to implement this project, and probably this is going to be under the WATP, which is a new World Bank supported program that CORAF will lead at the regional level. WATP is the West Africa Cultural Technology uh, Transformation Program. Oh, nice. So, believe, so we have already this project. We are just looking uh, to have the financial support to implement it. So we are, we are really dealing of also with uh, this challenge and we are hopeful we'll make it. Right. And that's what it will take is literally a cultural transformation. We're talking about changing attitudes, changing the way people work together, because in the past it was mostly older men working together. Now it'll be more young people, more women. Those are huge transitions. Do you think the countries that are part of CORAF are ready to take on those challenges? Of course. What's happened? This, you know, this is like... You, you, you just need to see this kind of challenge as, okay, you have to deal with this kind of challenge on a daily basis. So, and it's, you need also, when you develop any strategies to deal with gender mainstreaming uh, issues or process in the project, you, you, you need to think about also how you may, how you can address the cultural challenges. Mm -hmm. But from my experience, I can tell you, what happened is that we have some, we recorded some testimonies. Just uh, people will say, let me take the, let me take the example of the gender training of the STC. STC is the Scientific Technical Committee of Quora. These people are powerful because, because they are the one evaluating any Quora supported project and program. They can reject or accept a program or project. So what happened when we managed to train them on gender? After the training, the president, the chairperson said, it's like today we came to know how important it is to have to deal with gender mainstreaming uh, aspects in our various activities. Wow, that's it's huge. Beyond, the, the, we have it in our, we recorded in our uh, 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 report. So it was like a kind of wake-up call. Right. And what's happened, what's happened, they said, in the, we had a template for the evaluation. The, uh, in the, this template, gender component was rated as, uh, it was four. So it has been upgraded to six points. It's means that in the project, if gender dimension are not well addressed, they are ready to reject. So it, it has been very helpful. Another uh, example is like our other stakeholders involved in the project that have been trained on gender from 
as the pro the general program of the organization. They said that we came to know today that so if we manage to have women get getting access to resources, it's going to help us. So it's not a bad right. thing. Right. And for us, this is a change. So you can feel that the mindset has changed. That's wonderful. I mean, when, when people in power, and especially men in power, are understanding the importance of women, that's, that's amazing. That's what we, like what people like you have been working for their whole careers. That's, that's a win, I, I, for I, sure. I can tell you, we have, in our various reports, a lot of testimonies coming from people, stakeholders. It's like, you know what, the problem with gender is, it's like, it is a controversial concept. Sure. So you need to teach to people what is it. It's really, it lies with sustainable development. Unless you facilitate access to resources for both men and women, right. you will not be able to meet the sustainable, I mean, development goals. Once people understand, believe me, they will proceed. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it, it, it's true. You can't have sustainability in the food system or meet any no. development goals if you're not including women and, and, and girls and it's men not, and boys. No. It's not possible. It's not. And when they stand, they, they stand the stick, believe me, it's, it's just wonderful. They proceed. That's fantastic. They are not the time. They are not, they don't resist for gentlemen. <laughs> right. No. Because they get they it. They get it. Yeah. <laughs> And they see the benefits. I mean, can you talk about the benefits for a minute about, you know, so you have more people involved in agricultural development. You have communities who, you know, are more engaged. People are making more money. Farmers are learning more from these researchers. I mean, it's just ripple effect after ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. And and what are some of the most exciting things that, that you've seen uh, f from from this, I mean, you, you've mentioned, you know, talking to people in power who are, you know, finally getting that gender mainstreaming needs to happen. Are there any other particular examples or stories from talking to these these uh, these policymakers and research experts that you'd like to share? I think, if you don't mind, I would like rather to share some very key core of gender outcome as development of what we call gender smart and climate smart technologies nice. for women and youth empowerment. Yes, please. You know, the strategy, the strategy I talk about helped very much. So what's happened? We have been able to record gender sensitive technologies, which are proven labor technologies and present great potential in terms of job creation and consideration among women and youth. Let me take, for instance, in Mali, just a few examples. Selekela is an agricultural equipment. So we have what we, the, what Mali provided uh, uh, to a group of young people with uh, this equipment. So these people, what they are doing now, they, are, they have been service providers. They will go in your farm to clean it uh -huh. and per day they have their money. Uh -huh. So it has, it has created jobs and these people are making money. Fantastic. When you, for instance, in Benin, we have this technology called Rouleur Calibre. So Rouleur Calibre is the food, the agro-food processing technology. Mm -hmm. So I, I met with one of the beneficiaries and you will be surprised. She, she, she said, okay, she said, before getting this technology from what? I was, I, I could get, for instance, I could get per week Sengamil Safer, which is 50,000 safer. But now what's happened? She, 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 she's getting now 
I'm not saying two times, but three times. Oh my God. Three times. Wow. 150 000 francs CFA. So you see, this is with Rula Carbre, just a few examples. In, in Burkina Faso, what's happened? We have this technology for drying mangoes. And a lady uh, got support from one Burkina, and you will be also surprised, she's now working with more than 100 women and young people. Nice. Because she developed a business. That's fantastic. So, and we have all kinds of material on this gender outcome. In Côte d'Ivoire, we have technology along the value chain of cassava. With new variety of cassava, that really enhance the productivity, surprisingly. And technology for processing and producing the atiki. Atiki is a common food well consumed in West Africa and mm -hmm. even beyond. So these people are making money. Well, you're creating you know, entrepreneurs. I mean, you're creating business this, people who didn't have this, that opportunity this, before. Actually, actually, this is what we are doing. This is what we are doing. We have a lot of we have a lot of material where we can you can see uh, what uh, I'm talking about. So Guinea and Togo, we have powerful rice improved technology. With, with this technology, people are getting less smoke because you know that the smoke that's uh, which is coming from uh, firewood has impact on women's health. So now they are getting less work with this improved technology uh -huh. developed under work. And also it is faster in terms of time consuming in the process. And these people are selling the bubble rice in supermarkets. They are making money. Well, and, the, and, and, and it has environmental and public health impacts that, you know, are, are really beneficial. The, the smoke that women inhale from cooking is, is problematic all over the, you know, sub-Saharan Africa and other emerging uh, economies. And it, it, it's devastating. So that's a real win right there as well. It is. It is. Why, that's why I'm talking about climate smart and gender mm -hmm. smart technologies. Because climate smart is like... We are these people. If you take the case, the, the case of the tribal uh, rice activities, these people, um, they are they are they are contributing to the, the deforestation, the degradation of environment, with the the collect collection of firewood. Now, with this technology, they are they need few firewood for the process. So, so this is also climate smart technologies and gender responsive uh, technologies because it is labor saving. If they are taking, they, in the past, before the work technologies, they needed one hour or two hours for an activity. For instance, they will tell you, now we did only 30 minutes. So you see, wow. it's just, it has, believe me, it has been very, very helpful. Absolutely. So in Niger, yes, in Niger, we have also a chef rousse de maradi and kilishi. The kilishi is the dry meat. And, and I think here, there is something, it's just, I don't know how I can, I can put it. It's like when I raise for the first time uh, how we can have gender dimension mainstream in this dried uh, meat process. It's like it, it's like I don't know. It has been very challenging because for they, they told me this is cultural issues in our culture. Only men can do that. Mm. I said, but how, how come everything related to food production to cooking is women's business? But for, as for the dried uh, 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 meat uh, uh, business. For you, this is not women's business, but because, you know, so these patriarchal dominations came again and are to really be strong enough, I can tell you, to make sure that women can be very much involved in this, uh, in the deployment of this technology. And what right. happened is that in the other, other countries, they transferred the technology of dry 
uh, our meat that we call kidishi. And believe me, it has also created jobs in generation for women and young people in countries that transferred the technology. Like Mali, Burkina Faso, many countries, Senegal, many countries transferred the technology from Niger. So, so yeah. in, in Nigeria, we have... Okay, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, please. Okay, just in Nigeria, just to finish with an example of some of the key technologies that we, 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 we report, we manage to, to, to have in terms of, uh, uh, I mean, in terms of facilitation, we facilitated the development of the technology and that they have been proven in terms of job creation, income generation for women and young people. The Nigeria also has been very, in terms of gender results, I can tell you, the, the technology, aquaculture technology in Nigeria has been very also instrumental. We have improved technology along the value chain for fish feeding, fish processing with technology to smoke and dry fisheries products, and marketing with cold boxes for the conservation of fishery products. So interesting so, because you're combining all of these things, prevention of food loss and food waste, climate change, uh, you know, improving women's yes. status, improving youth. I mean, all of these things, what you're telling me is that they're all interrelated. And now research agencies and policymakers are understanding that and they're, they're making changes. They are making changes. And uh, they, are, they, they are doing that because uh, for the first time, for young people, for the first time, uh, after 30 years of existence, we... Koraf, uh, the chairperson of the governing board of Koraf is a lady for the first time. Nice, so, that's so fantastic. See, and <laughs> it is. And we, no, Koraf made history because you will not get a regional organization like Koraf with a chairperson of the governing board as we as women, right. as the lady. So right. just to say that the policy makers involved in Koraf uh, operation believe me, they have been the they, they, we have been also lucky because they understood. They right. really understood. And At the beginning, when I got IRT, it was very, it was, I had to be tough. But believe me, the management also has been very supportive. And then what happened when they were elected? It was election. When they were, uh, they was elected this lady, I was not, I was not involved. So, but I can, I can, I can say from experience because these people, the fact of being involved in our the, the implementation of our gender program, so they got something. They got to know that it's important to facilitate yep. access to decision-making position for women in the agricultural and research development policies program and project. They understood. And That's... I think this, this, this has been also one of the key gender requirements for CORA. Also, uh, rapidly, also, what's happened from only one female in the Scientific Technical Committee of Korra? We recorded seven female, female out of 12 members of the CSP. Nice. So, we also recorded a gender staffing of Korra. As we move, we, as we move from 33% female as staff in 2012, to 46% Amazing. of female staff Amazing. We believe too. So you're not just telling true. others to do this, you're actually doing it yourself at CORAF. That's fantastic. That's You're, you're you. walking the talk for, for sure. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, Steve Ray Morris here, producer of Food Talk with Danny Nuremberg, wanted to jump in with a little announcement. Join us for a live Food Talk in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill in the Rayburn Building on May 10th, and we also have another event at New York City at NYU on May 14th. We will also be hosting events in partnership with Mother Jones on May 29th in San Francisco and June 5th in Los Angeles. These will all be announced soon enough with more cities and dates. Tickets are already announced first and are free to attend for Food Tank members. Become a member of food tank now at foodtank.com slash join see you there um we've taken a lot of your time and i know it's it, you're in senegal and i i want to be aware of your time i my, my final question for you is actually a set of three questions and we end the podcast with sort of you know just sort of your quick thoughts on on each of these questions and what i ask everyone is one what is their favorite book or report um who most inspires you and the innovation you're most excited about. So what what is a favorite book or report that has really helped you over the years? Okay. Uh, my favorite book, I may say it's a, there is a, when you talk about development theories, there is someone called, uh, there is, we have a scientist called Shepard. Uh-huh. So in, with Shepard, according to the point of view of Shepard, unless we go for inclusive development, otherwise we never meet the expectation of sustainable development we are all looking for. What's up, what, 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 what does it mean? It means that you need to address the perspective, the needs, concerns, and expectations for both men and women, especially the social marginal group. I can tell you it has really transform even myself. It has helped me very much. That's great. It has helped me very much. So this, I I can tell you, for me, is still the best. That's wonderful. It has helped me in my work. It it has helped me in my work. And also, it will tell you that unless you consider that you have social-cultural considerations along the process of any implementation, development implementation of any sustainable development program and project, you have to consider social cultural challenges. Absolutely. So this has something to do with identity of people. You cannot neglect the identity of people. It is very sensitive. Absolutely. So, and then it has helped me to think about all and in any things I will be doing in terms of work in Koraf to think about consideration of context-specific. Right, right. Context-specific actions, it's helped very much to deal with what we talk about, what, uh, I mean, to deal with social-cultural dimensions. Because this has something to do with how we can deal with, we can overcome the challenges. Absolutely. The you have to understand so where people are coming from. It's very important. Because if you don't, they will boycott the project. Absolutely. So who most... Absolutely. Who most inspires you? Is there a particular person who inspires you the most in your work? In my work, uh, my... To be honest, my... I I did my PhD in Wagner University. Uh Uh-huh. And then my professors, Anke Niop and Leontine Fisser, they really inspired me. Because when I was 
uh, going for this for the PhD program, I didn't know that I was like, is it really possible mm. to, 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 right. to to address to because it's like as I was uh, saying when I was uh, describing the rational beyond gender commitment for of Kura, it's like we have all kind of uh, resources, all kinds of potential, but. It's difficult to understand what we are going, I mean, what we are faced with in terms of challenges to make it for sustainable food and social security mm-hmm. in the region. So it's, it's, it's just, so it's like, but these people, they taught me that it's possible to make it. And I'm humble, but I think we get somewhere. Because uh, maybe for your information, I've been also honored to be in the task force. Uh, African Union led task force with IFPRI to provide gender support right. to the to the rec, to the regional economic communities across the continent. I think this is something because they asked me to be in the task force. Right. I didn't ask to be in the task force. That's great. So it means that because maybe because we are doing something and so 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 we are we are we are good and we are also providing support to other regional organizations like Kura. They Absolutely. Are asking, they are asking uh, uh, to, to the that we need your gender advisor to help us uh, for gender machine in our way. So it means that we can do something. So I'm grateful. It is, I take this opportunity to express my gratefulness to my supervisors. That's great. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure they're so proud of you because you're you're really leading the way on, on so much of the gender work in, in the region. That's amazing. And then the, the final question I have for you is the innovation that you're most excited about right now. Mm-hmm. The innovation in terms of technology? It, whatever. It could be a policy innovation or, or, or a cultural innovation, whatever you're most excited about. Innovation, innovation... Okay, uh, to me, I think we have some difficulties. I feel like we have difficulties like to, to start. Because you see, people will tell you that uh, gender, gender, it has something to do with women, it's women's business, not, it has been very, very difficult. So it has been very challenging for, for gender specialists or gender advisors uh, across the regions. By the innovations, Okay, I think the technologies that we, we recorded in Korak as uh, proven climate smart and gender technology, gender response technologies. I think for me, these innovations, I mean, they, it has been very helpful for us also to see how we can transform life of the social imaginary group as women and right. in the region. And also, I think the, these innovations, uh, to me, really, we are getting to the impacts of this innovation in terms of transformation for life of these people, as, as I was saying. So, in terms of addressing other challenges with youth, youth unemployment, because I'm also leading a project on youth uh, in, agri- in agriculture uh-huh. at Korak, and I think the innovations, these innovations related to the development of gender responsive and climate smart technologies has been very helpful. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today, Miriam. It's been such a pleasure to to listen and talk to you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
All right. Give Abdu my best. And, and if people want more information about CORAF, they can go to www.coraf.org.en. Again, that's www.coraf.org.en. Thank you again, Miriam. Thank you. Bye. Very much. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for listening today. A shout out to our producer, Stephen Ray Morris, who makes this podcast possible. And please subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you listen. It would really mean the world to me. You can check out Food Tank at foodtank.com. Email me at danielle at foodtank.com. And follow me on Twitter at Danny Nirenberg and on Insta at Food Tank. Thanks again. See you next time for Food Talk. Thank you again for listening. Join us to see the podcast recorded live at the upcoming Food Talk event in a city near you by visiting foodtank.com slash events. Tickets are always free for Food Tank members, so join now and we'll see you there.